Listener Production. Darcy Vessio has been playing footy since they were five years old. But growing up when there was no such thing as the AFLW, were forced to give the game away at age 14 when they could no longer play with the boys. And then in 2017, everything changed. Welcome to the 2017 AFLW Grand Final, the first of a new era. A women's league was formed and Darcy was signed as a marquee player for Carlton. And their first goalkeeper looks to be Vessio, who is one of the marquee players for the Blues. They made their debut in the very first game of round one against Collingwood at Icon Park. Vessio puts her name in the record books as the first goal scorer for the Blues. It was a lockout. Everyone had underestimated just how popular women's footy would be. But then, late last year, Darcy told their social media followers that they are, in fact, non-binary. A particularly complex path to tread in the world of sport, where the gender binary informs the very league you play in and the people you compete against. My name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Up next, Bron joins me for The Weekend List, where we recommend what to watch, see, do, eat and listen to. But first... Here is my candid and complex conversation with the divine Darcy Vessio. Darcy Vessio, welcome to the weekend briefing. I see that the first time you picked up a footy, you were like, yay high, right? You were a little kid. Tell me about your memories of playing footy as a child. Yeah, I started playing footy as soon as I could pick up a footy um, from country Victoria, just outside of Wangaratta, so footy, netball sort of areas. I just love the game. My earliest memories are probably just kicking in the backyard with my brothers and just spending all my time just kicking the ball up in the air, jumping up, marking it, and just on repeat for hours on end. So I've always loved footy. Um, I like the way the ball bounces. I like that you can get tackled to the ground. I love that you can tackle people. Yeah, I love the game. Love the way that you say, I love the way the ball bounces. I spend a lot of time watching small children playing Auskick because uh, my kid is almost seven and the thing they find hardest is how the ball bounces. Like you can <laughs> see their little brains going, what, what? It wasn't supposed to yeah. go that way. And I think it's the thing that internationally people find the most confusing about AFL, right? They're like, how are you supposed to anticipate where that ball's going to go, right? But you like the hardest part of it. Yeah, well, I think if you play for a long time, 90% of the time you can figure out which way it's going to bounce. But I love that you can do everything right, be in the right spot, do all your work early, and then you can get a bad bounce that just messes everything up for you. I like that. So tell me about playing competitively as a kid, because you played competitively for a while. Well, I guess I started playing Auskick when I was five. And then when I was around 12, I guess, started playing under 14s and yeah I was one of the only little gals playing I didn't feel any different like I knew I wasn't one of the boys but um, they treated me pretty well so I just loved being competitive and I guess being young like there aren't many spaces where you can really use your body and be physical and be I guess applauded for being physical as a little gal so I was really drawn to that and I love that it made people think twice about what girls can do. Like I love that. I remember actively wanting to prove people wrong. So I loved it. This might be a hard question 
to answer just because I think there's such pressure in Australian culture not to be a bragger or toot your own horn. But when did you realise you were good? Like when did you realise that you were kind of like the average kid kicking around a footy (laughs) but you had skills that not everyone has? Yeah, I suppose because I was the only girl playing growing up. So there was always that point of difference. So I always got the impression that I was like good. I knew I was good for a gal. Like I knew that that was a thing. Like I had a bit of a break playing between 14 and 18 because there weren't any opportunities to play. But when I moved to Melbourne and started playing women's football, I, I always felt like I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the time. But it probably wasn't until the exhibition games came in when the AFL started playing these one-off games. There was an opportunity. I'd played with Bulldogs and then they were only keeping six players for the next game. They could only lock in, I think, six players or whatever it was. And Craig Stasevich, who is the Brisbane Lions coach, I remember he called me up and said he wanted to keep me as one of the six or whatever. And that was probably the first time that I was like, what the hell? Like you actually think I'm as good as the other five players you're choosing or like I can't believe you picked me as part of that bunch. So that was probably one of the first times that I was like, whoa, like people see me as a really good player. And I think that gave me a lot of belief in my own ability. You said you sort of always knew you were in a different category because you weren't one of the boys. Did you feel more separate also because footy tends to be kind of white or at least growing up that was the way it was when we were younger. I think things are starting to change. You're of Italian and Chinese heritage. Did you ever sort of feel like an outsider because of your cultural background? Um, I I probably wasn't super aware of it, I think, because my dad loved footy so much. Like uh, we were always around footy clubs and that sort of thing. Living in a country town, like some people do have the experience of being an outsider, but I guess I felt like because they'd known me their whole life and our family, like that we were really just accepted, um, which was really like I guess it's a unique experience and something that I was lucky to have. It's probably not until I've become an adult that I've realised that we are sort of different, which I think is lucky as well. Um, I remember being asked to be an AFL Multicultural Ambassador and I was really confused by it. I was like, oh, like I'm not, but I'm not like my multicultural. I feel like I've been learning my identity more as an adult, which I guess is a good thing. Better late than never. Let me take you back a little bit because when you're growing up, you're not a teenager who gets to look to the AFLW and go, I'm going to make that my career, right? That's not an option for you when you're 13, 14. What were you planning? And how did you feel about the fact that footy wasn't an option for you as a career? Yeah, well, I knew that I had to quit when I was 14 um, and there were a few girls who had played who were a year older and and I think two years older and I'd watched them have the similar pathway where they'd played really well with boys and then they had to hang up the boots. So I think at the time I just sort of accepted it because that's... That's how it was. Yeah, that's what I saw and that's... I think my parents were um, making sure that I knew it would be my last season so it didn't come as a shock. I actually spoke to one of my coaches a few years back and he said that I was really upset leading into my last game and I, like, I have no memory of that. So I feel like I might have just suppressed that 
But I, I focused on other sports. Like I loved netball, basketball, tennis. And then as I got into uni doing graphic design, I sort of decided that I'll just be a designer. I've got a five-year action plan from when I was 19, I think. And in that I said uh, I'd switched into furniture design and I said that I'd moved to Tasmania, finish my uh, this furniture bachelor and then just be a designer and enter exhibitions and stuff. So there was no talk of footy um, in that five-year action plan. Yeah, wow. And do you... Do you remember when the AFLW was announced? Do you remember where you were? I remember being part of the exhibition game. So like before AFLW came in, there were these one-off games between Melbourne and Bulldogs where they just sign people up from around the country and you'd sort of get to be an AFL player for like three days. Like you'd have a little camp leading into the game. You'd all come together and then you'd play on the MCG or Marvel Stadium. So that was what was happening. But I remember that Gil at one of those matches at the post-game function, he said that we're going for 2017 rather than 2020. And that was probably the first time when we were all like, oh shit, like it's it's really happening. Like that's maybe it was 2015 at the time. And I was like, oh, that's pretty soon. Like I would have been 21 at the time. And I was like, oh, I can be part of that. So you're signed as a marquee player by Carlton, uh, sort of second half of 2016, ahead of the 2017 inaugural season. Tell Mm. me about that debut round one match. It was the first first match of the AFLW against Mm. Collingwood at Icon Park. Two on two. Here's Bessio again. Left foot snap. Bounces through. I was there. I remember people getting locked out and like there were too many people for, tell me about what it was like being in the change rooms and getting ready to run out on the field for the first time. Oh, it was amazing. I am so thankful that I got to be part of it because I was working at the club as a graphic designer leading in. Um, So I was sort of seeing what was happening behind the scenes, all the organising a week out from the game. It got moved to Icon Park. So initially it was going to be at Olympic Park, which has a capacity of 5,000 people Um, and the AFL decided to move it because it seemed like quite a few people were going to come. So um, I remember all like leading into the game, it was very exciting. And the build-up, it was just, I had no idea what was going to happen. It sort of felt like we were just entering this thing, didn't know if people were going to rock up, hoped that people would like it and, and love watching us play. And I just remember stepping out onto the ground for our final warm up and looking around and just being like, oh, like it's getting pretty full. Like there are there are a lot of people here. Like I, I know that patch over there, there's no seats there. Like that's just grass <laughs> and there are just people. I can't even describe it. It was like a euphoric night, I guess. There were all different people there. They weren't necessarily going for Carlton or Collingwood. They just wanted to be there to witness it. If I had have been there not playing, I would have been crying just witnessing it. I just love that I was able to be there and be part of it and I'm really proud of it too. Obviously the competition is still relatively new compared to the history of the AFL and we're sort of seeing the expansion to include more clubs, which is a testament to how well the AFLW is going. How long do you think it's going to take until crowds and footy fans see the games as equal or are we just never going to get there? The next CBA is coming up, which is where we 
agree on our conditions and, and all that sort of thing, our pay and everything like that. I think we're aiming for 2026 to be professional. So when that happens, you know, you'll see players being able to dedicate all their time into football. Um, you know, they'll be well-rested. At the moment there are players juggling work and, and footy and they're playing pretty exhausted on weekends. You know, most of our trainings out, it's pretty much they work there nine till five and then go to footy five till nine. So it's it's pretty exhausting work. And, and I think once we're able to be financially compensated for our time as well, that's when we'll see a real rise in people coming to the games because it'll just be, it'll be wonderful to watch. Like I, I love watching it now, but I know once the players are able to fully dedicate themselves to footy, it'll be a different game altogether. The players will just go to a new level, right, with the professionalisation of the game, that that time and yeah. also I imagine kids coming through, right, kids like you were, not losing however many years at age 14 out of the game. Absolutely, yeah. It'll be amazing. I think that's where the biggest gain will be made when people are able to spend their whole time and feel like they can live just playing footy um, rather than having to juggle all these other things. So, yeah, it'll be incredible. I can't wait to see the players coming through. You know, the players who get drafted this season, they would have been 11 when AFLW was first announced. So they've had a bit more of a vision for it. But, you know, it'll be amazing when the kids who were five when it got announced are coming through because they would have had it in their sights for a long time. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll still be playing then, but we'll see. A lot of media attention and public attention comes with playing footy. How has that been for you? Is it something you've enjoyed or relished or is it something you've sort of had to make yourself do? I feel like I I cope with that stuff pretty well. I enjoy having a platform and the responsibility that comes with that. I embrace that sort of side of things. But it can feel like, you know, if things aren't going that well in footy, it can feel like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. But I guess it's just part of being an athlete. You're going to win and you're going to lose. You just have to feel comfortable that, you know, you're not defined by whether you win or lose. You're a person fully outside of sport. It is interesting, but I've, I've enjoyed it and I feel like I've coped pretty well with it. You um, came out publicly as non-binary towards the end of last year. The fact that you even have to do that publicly because you do have this public profile, right, and people are interested in you must have made it all the more complex. Can you talk to me about that experience? It's been a pretty wild few months. I feel like I've never really thought about my gender that much before the last year or or two. It's been a, a really nice thing for me to be able to delve into and explore. I do remember like when I started telling a few of my friends, they were trying to protect me and, you know, be like, you know, you don't have to rush this or, you know, you don't have to go public. And for me, it it is something I have to do if I want to be properly referred to and that sort of thing and have that side of me respected. So it has been a bit of a roller coaster and, and I still feel like I'm right in the middle of it, even though I'm 
you know, able to talk about it and I feel really confident in myself. Um, it still is something that I do think about a lot and it, and it takes a bit of energy to talk about it and that sort of thing, but it's something that I like doing because I know it's important. And the more people who feel comfortable talking about their gender and how they identify, um, the better off we are. So, yeah, hopefully um, we get to a point where you don't have to come out and, you know, asking people's pronouns is just part of life. But, yeah, right now it feels like we're getting to a better place but we're still not there yet. And how's the AFLW been in response? Because this is a very something that's very personal and private and yet if you want people to use the right pronouns and uh, you use they and them, you've got to tell them and you've got to ask yeah. commentators and uh, fellow players and other people involved in the AFLW. How's that experience been? Yeah, I feel so lucky to be in a space like AFLW because they do embrace everyone, um, I feel. And even talking to my teammates, like they were just so pumped. Like I remember I had we had a team meeting and at the end of it, like I came out to them and I remember they just came and gave me a big hug. But then when we were walking back to the locker room, one of my teammates, Plano, was like, oh, Dust, she's like, I thought you were going to retire or something really bad had happened. And then you just said, I'm non-binary. And I was like, shit, yeah. Like, she, she just was like, oh, easy. Like, she's like, no problem. Like, I knew they would be super supportive. But even some of my teammates have come up or like they've researched and found out what the gender neutral terms are for like, you know, I've heard them at training, they were like, we looked up what the gender neutral term for God or goddess was and it's goddess. So we're going to call everyone goddess on the field. Um, or like they came up with queen, which is a blend of queen and king. Um, so just like little things like that, just going out of their way and just trying to lead the way using more inclusive language as well, not just for me, but for everyone and to become leaders in that space. So it's, yeah, I feel really fortunate. That is awesome. And like not only, you know, good for you and your teammates, but what a legacy for the club to be thinking about that now because they're going to get more yeah. players who are trans or non-binary in the future and they'll have their, was it queen? They'll have their language down pat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's really important and it spreads across the club as well and the leagues, so not just in, you know, respecting people's pronouns but making sure on, you know, invitations to events that you're not, putting down men and women dress codes, like just have open dress codes, say what, how you want people to dress or, or don't. Um, maybe dress codes aren't that important. But, yeah, I, I think there's a ripple effect, um, which is awesome to see. And I'm really proud that my club's able to do that. Earlier this year you legitimately made history by becoming the first player in the AFLW to kick 50 goals. So there is the race to 50. Fessio gets the milestone. What a wonderful moment for them. I imagine as someone who's clearly very goal-driven because you were going to go to Tasmania and make furniture, uh, <laughs> that would have been an enormous achievement. What's the next thing on the vision board? Wow. Well, yeah, I guess the ultimate would be to win a premiership in the AFLW. Um, that's what I really want our team to to work towards and to hopefully be in a position where we can give that a real crack. So that would be amazing if we could do that over 
the next few years or hopefully do it while I'm playing. I'd, I'd love that. So, yeah, that's definitely on the top of the list, I think. And one of the, like, awkward realities, right, of being a footballer is that you can't do it forever. You don't retire at 65 like the rest of us. You retire a whole lot younger than that. What are your plans for beyond playing footy? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know what I want to no, be. No, nobody plans go away. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a graphic designer outside of footy. So I would love to do something in the creative fields. I think I don't know if it's necessarily graphic design, but I think, yeah, I'd like to dive into, into that fully once I'm finished with playing perhaps. But also my mum always said, you know, you might have a job one day that doesn't exist right now. So I realised that now as an AFLW player, that's, that's probably not what she was thinking. She was thinking some sort of, I don't know, something to do with technology or I don't know, become a robot or something. But um, an AFLW player did not exist when I was younger. So who knows, maybe I'll have a job that doesn't exist in the few, next few years. Darcy, thank you so much for keeping me company on the weekend briefing today. It is always such a pleasure to talk with you. And I have been to so many of your games with my kid and you are his favourite player uh, and mine, despite the fact you play for Carlton. I still love you. (laughs) Thanks, Jamila. I know that's hard to say. So thank you very much. really very hard to say. That's it for my conversation with Darcy Vessio. You can find them on all of the social medias. And I have to say, we didn't get into this in that conversation, but Darcy is so deeply creative and ridiculously funny on social media. They are absolutely worth following. And of course, they'll be playing on a footy ground near you very soon. Don't go away. The Weekend List is coming up next. It is time for the weekend list and Bron has jumped into the studio and Bron, I hope you have been consuming more content than me over the weekend. We decided to do a, a not quite spring, actually autumn clean of our house. And while I'm feeling very accomplished and a little bit smug about how Marie Kondoed this place is, I consumed nothing, nothing fun. Did you watch anything? I did. You know, you, you were much more productive than me. I was just sitting around watching stuff all weekend. I binged Bridgerton season two, Ooh. which I was very excited about. I loved season one. It was just, you know, the perfect lockdown watch, except season two. I'm doing an anti-recommendation if you'll allow oh, me. Oh, no. It is such a slow burn. It does get to a decent place at the end. There's hardly any raunchy stuff, which I know... We all enjoyed last time. A lot of people were in it for the raunch. <laughs> There's hardly any of that. It's so, like, tame, very, yeah, slow burn storyline. I'm doing an anti-recommendation. It's nothing like the first season. I read a, an article about it saying they should have named it a completely different show. It had none of the spice or the the fun of the first season so if you if you're going to go into it I know I had to push through to the end because I was like surely we'll get to a good point and it kind of just never got there for me so if you're not feeling it after the first one or two episodes don't waste your time Oh, that is so disappointing. But I appreciate the warning. I appreciate the warning going in. I am going to recommend a product simply because I haven't been consuming enough culture. I have become a grown-up 
and finally invested in decent linen, (laughs) which is Makes me sound really old, but I have everyone and this is not a sponsored one, everyone. I paid for every cent of it and it was a bit spano. Uh, I have invested in bed threads, which is like linen sheets and doona covers and pillow covers and I am obsessed. I am completely obsessed. I have never known the joy for 35 years of wearing linen pyjamas in your linen clad bed. That sounds amazing. Honestly, it's the best, everyone. Um, If you want to treat yourself, because it does cost a little bit, but it's an investment. It's an investment. And they're also beautiful sheets that wash amazingly. So it's not just like the first time you use them that it feels that good. It feels like that forever and ever and ever. Oh my God, that does sound amazing. And anything to make a sleep feel a bit better. Why not? Yes. I spend a third of my life sleeping. I want it to be good. What else have you got going on? So at the moment is Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I think it's the perfect time to go out, go see some shows. After Melbourne is Sydney and Brisbane Comedy Festival. And if you're not on the East Coast, there's always comedy going around locally. So the people that I always usually tend to see at Melbourne International Comedy Festival is Michelle Brazier. I love Reese Nicholson. Becky Lucas, Nath Valvo, they're my go-tos. But basically, even if you if big names are selling out really quickly, just go see anyone. It's it's good. It's a nice night out. You can have dinner beforehand. The city needs a lot of love too after lockdown. So it's the perfect time to get all your mates together and go laugh and have some fun. I love that recommendation, especially the idea of seeing someone whose name you haven't heard before, because every great comedian comes from somewhere, right? And every great comedian's got to have their first couple of shows to a handful of people where they start to surprise and delight audiences, right? So get on board, give some love to some newbies. I am going to recommend a TV show that has actually been around for a really long time, but I have come to it late. And that is the British version of Would I Lie to You? So I have only picked up on this show because the Australian version launched. And then I went and found the British one, which is just... It is a masterclass in comedy, everybody. It is an absolute masterclass. I have been totally overwhelmed by how good it is. It has been broadcast on the BBC since 2007 and is still going strong. The setup is that there are two teams and a host and they have to tell stories as team members and the other team has to figure out whether or not the story is a lie or not. You get points if you guess whether it's a truth or a lie correctly. The quality of the banter and the comedy that comes out of this show is second to none. My husband and I are just devouring it on iView and our six-year-old son, possibly inappropriately, is also loving it sick. So highly recommend Would I Lie to You, the BBC version, which is on iView at the moment. I was once dragged into the headmaster's office after I was caught leaning out of a window and firing a cream egg into my friend's mouth with a catapult. (laughs) Was this when you were a teacher or a pupil? (laughs) I'm ashamed to say it was when I was a teacher. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for being with me, Bron. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode of The Weekend Briefing or indeed The Weekday Briefing, then you should follow us wherever you get your podcasts or you can download the Listener app and see a whole bunch of great shows there. While you are around in whatever app you're in, if you could leave us a rating and a review, it will help other people to find The Briefing. We'll be back bright and early on Monday morning with the latest headlines straight here 
your headphones. Listener.